Hallelujah. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Actually, recently I've just been um, remembering the hymn that we sang. Tom and I sang at our wedding. Great is, great is thy faithfulness. And, you know, the, as I was singing through the words, I'm thinking, wow, Lord, the theology is so good. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, our Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Hallelujah. Great is thy faithfulness. And, you know, that's the truth. As he has been, as he is, so are we in this world. As he has been, so is he now. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a study of Jesus, I think, is just a, a delightful treat to be able to give yourself. If you're reading your Bible, you know, I like to do different uh, studies. At the moment, I'm in Romans and going through that really slowly and enjoying verse by verse. Uh, meditating on and chewing over uh, in the book of Romans, but I'm, that's in the morning and the evening. I'm in Proverbs at the moment, and then I've started Daniel last night, and just I'm st and, oh, because I got it quite excited. <laughs> I can't help myself. I just I like a varied diet. Hallelujah. But I, I, was, I was captured last night about the person of Jesus in, in the book of Daniel and his encounters with, with this, this man who shone like the sun and whose eyes blazed like fire. Uh, you know, I just, um, I believe that as we discover Jesus in the word of God, he wants to make himself so real to us. There is so much more to relationship with him than we've ever understood. He wants to reveal himself to us. Amen. Amen. It's an invitation waiting to be responded to. And I, just as I was sitting there tonight, I felt there were some people who were really feeling discouraged uh, at the moment. They're feeling a little bit just like, God, I feel like I'm, they're growing weary with well-doing. But I felt the Lord just say that he wants to restore your soul. And the Bible says in Psalm 23 that he makes us to lie down in green pastures and he restores our soul. I've got a little place in my bedroom where when I open up the curtains, beside the bed on the carpet, there's a good sunny spot. Hallelujah. I like to stay warm. So it's a good spot in my room in winter. And... Um, I get down in the car on the carpet, I lie down on the carpet and I talk to Jesus. If my husband's looking for me and he can't find me, he knows to go around the other side of the bed and there she'll be. And, um, but it's in that place that the Lord speaks to me. You know, I've got my little chair in my room where I read my Bible every day and I, and I, I, I write notes in my journal. But I also need that time when I just get before the Lord. You know, often I'm kneeling and, and praying and, and worshipping. But there's times I just need to get down and lie down in his presence and let him restore my soul. Let him speak to me. Let him love me. Other times it's walking around the garden or just going for a walk and talking to him, telling him what's on my heart, bringing all the anxious thoughts to him with prayer, 
and thanksgiving and letting him speak back to me. You know, God wants to refresh you with a rhema word. I believe this week, if you've been feeling a little heavy, a little discouraged, I want to prophesy that there is a rhema word for you this week, a word spoken personally to you from God, where he wants to speak a word of kindness to your heart that will refresh you and that will encourage you. You know, Jesus said to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I, I believe he wants you to be expecting daily bread from God. Not just physical bread, but also daily bread where he'll minister to your spirit, where he'll speak to you spirit to spirit, encourage you and refresh you because he delights to lift up the weary hands. Hallelujah. And he wants you to go to him and receive the encouragement that he's jealously longing to give you. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to share with you tonight um, just a little encouragement. You know, the Bible is a gift to us. We're so blessed to freely have access to the Word of God. And there's countries where if you're caught with a scrap of Scripture, you'll be executed. But we have access to as many uh, translations as we can get our hands on. We, We have free access to the Bible. And as you open it up, it is full of treasure full of food and it's full of invitations waiting for our response the bible says that we are co-heirs with christ which means every prophecy about jesus everything in the word of god every promise is is an invitation waiting for us to respond to and receive he's all his promises in the book now apply to us hallelujah because we've been grafted in But he waits for us to come and eat from this banqueting table that is laid before us. Amen. And you can know a whole lot of it. But if you don't actually respond, if you don't apply the word, then you miss out on the the blessing that comes. If you want to turn with me, James chapter 2 verse 26 is an interesting scripture. James 2 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. What he's saying here is just as you're alive because your spirit's alive in your body. When you die, your spirit leaves your body and the body's dead. Faith, that faith that we have in believing what the Bible says is so powerful. But if it doesn't get applied practically, then it has, you, you miss the connection point of seeing the fruit in your life. Now, God is looking for us not just to be cognizant of the word, not just to be aware of it. I mean, you could quote scripture. You could know that, thank you, Jesus. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Thank you, God. I reckon myself dead. Uh, and I thank you. I'm alive to God in Christ. I'm a new creation. And that's awesome. You can know it all, but if you don't actually take the next step and let what you believe be outworked in your, in your life, then you miss out on seeing it uh, manifested in your life. You could know that, you, that the word says that by your stripes I'm healed, but unless you actually stand up and go, right, you said God, I, I, that's what you said, I'm going to receive that, I want that, 
then you can miss out. You can know and, and get frustrated and think, well, why isn't it working? Or you can get up and start to connect with it and respond. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what it looks like to respond to the word tonight. Now, I remember having a, um, a book given to me by a friend. And she, my dear friend in, in America, Sheila Williams, gave me this book. And I forgot about it. I didn't read it. I left it on my bookshelf. And about a year later, I was going through a situation and she quoted from this book. And I went, oh, I should read that. I picked it up and I started reading it. And I thought, this is one of the best books I've ever read. It was so good. But it had sat on my shelf for a whole year. And, you know, it's a little bit like what we have with knowledge of the Word of God. It's like, oh, I got all this good stuff. But unless I actually use it, I miss out. It'd be a little bit like having, you know, money in the bank. You can have all this money in the bank, but if you never actually do something with it, you don't get the benefit of what we've been given. We've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. Hallelujah! But the connection comes by having your faith connect with application. And he wants us to do that. And so this week, as I've been um, praying, I've been feeling such a stirring of the Holy Spirit. My husband and I have just been um, specifically praying uh, this week and just enjoying what the Holy Spirit is doing. There's a there's an outpouring of his spirit happening right now. I can sense a reviving happening, even in my own heart, a fresh awakening. I was uh, watching a documentary uh, early last week that they recorded back in 2000, oh, two, no, yes, back in 2012. They recorded an interview with me and several other pastors, and they've only just sort of cut it all together and putting it together now. So they sent me a preview to look at it and see if I was still happy for them to use the footage. And so I watched this little documentary that they'd done, and it was talking about healing and signs and wonders and the prophecies over Australia. And I was stirred in my spirit in a fresh way and realized, God, you, you want me to get hungrier. You want me to, to you, I could feel him stirring me up because I have prayed those scriptures and those um, prophecies, prayed into the prophecies over our nation about uh, the last great move of the Holy Spirit beginning in Australia, New Zealand and the islands of the South Pacific, that the, the North Gate, Brisbane would be used as a gate where it would be taken, the, the revival would be taken to the nations of the earth, that a great healing revival would sweep. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to say yes again to the call on my life. You know, he's so kind. God's so kind. I said yes a long time ago, but I now know better the price. And he's still asking, you still okay with yes? And it was really nice because I was able to, I could feel it genuinely in his heart, you know. This is available. It wasn't a forced thing. Would you, would you still like this? And, uh, and it was so lovely to be able to say, yes, yes, God, I say yes, I say yes. Bring it on, Jesus. But I believe that, that from time to time, the Holy Spirit will stir you to, to 
begin to respond to his promptings, to really begin to seek him. And, and he has a way of shaking us out of our complacency. And it's easy sometimes to get comfortable where you are when God wants to take us on from glory to glory and strength to strength. He wants us to experience more and more. Amen. So this week I've been praying and I've, I've felt the Holy Spirit leading me to pray very specifically over um, a scripture in Proverbs chapter 6 verse 31 where it talks about a thief that if he's caught he has to pay sevenfold. And I felt the Holy Spirit challenge me to say, I want you to bring to me the things that have been stolen from you and I want you really specifically to bring them to me and we're going to, I want you to, to claim this back from the thief who's stolen from you. You know, and I've done that generally as a principle for many, many, many years. But this week has been a bit different. It's been a really specific thing where I've gone, okay, and I've got very specific. Well, I, this has been stolen. You know, this time with this person's been stolen. God, I'm, I'm bringing it to you knowing you're a just judge. And I thank you, Lord, that because of the blood of Jesus, you've cleansed me from all sin. I thank you, Lord. I've confessed my sin and you're faithful and just to forgive me. There is no sin in me because your blood has taken it all. And, you know, as I've, I keep short accounts with God and I, I process with God, but I receive by faith his cleansing that I am the righteousness of God in Christ because of the blood of Jesus. And as such, I can take this to him and say, Lord, your word says, that the thief has to pay back sevenfold. And so I've been bringing these things specifically to him and thinking, what's it going to look like to have sevenfold return for what was stolen there? Now, what's that relationship that was sabotaged by the enemy going to look like when it's seven times better than what it would have been? What, what's it going to look like when, when for my former shame, pain and disgrace in that situation the thief has to pay back seven times. You know, in Isaiah 61, it says instead of our, our shame, instead of our um, dishonor, God will give us a double portion. He'll give us double recompense for our shame, pain, and disgrace. He wants to give double. And that was written to Israelites who had brought the problem, the shame, pain, and disgrace on themselves by their own sin. The heart of God was to say, yes. For all this that you're suffering, I want to give you double back. I want to give you double blessing for what you've suffered, even though you brought it on yourself. And the same promise applies to us that if we, we can come to the Lord and he who makes beauty out of ashes is waiting for us to apply our faith to what the word says and to deliberately start to lay hold of it and say, God, well, your word says. See, we've got all these promises. We've had them the whole time. But when we start to apply them to our lives, to specifically look at situations and say, God, I'm going to make a connection now. I want, I want to connect with this word in application. So I'm coming in prayer and we're going to, I'm going to make a claim, like an insurance claim. God, you said. If you've got awesome insurance and you get robbed and then you don't go and make a claim, you don't get any money. They don't come knocking on your door and say, I heard you were robbed. 
You have to get up and you have to make the claim. And it's the same thing with the word of God. God's looking for you to be specific, to be proactive. Faith without works is dead. You can know that you have a right to it. You can complain to all your friends that the insurance company never paid up. But if you never actually put the claim in, the connection never happens. God's looking for us to be deliberate, to start applying the word of God to our lives by waging war with the promises that he's spoken over us, the prophetic words. Many of your prophetic words are waiting for for you to start waging war with, to say, God, you said. Now, I remember when I was um, in my 30th year, the Lord had promised to me personally that in my 30th year, he was going to open the doors for me into, into the preaching ministry. And it was about nine days before I was going to turn 31. And I was doing less than I ever was. And I just began to remember these prophetic words, these promises that God had spoken to me in my quiet time. They were in my journals and I got them out. And I went to war and I said, God, you said, you said in my 30th year, there's nine days left. So God, you're going to do this because you said you're going to do it. I thank you for it, Lord. And I went to war like this. You said, you might think that's a bit cheeky, but faith pleases God. He's not there going, oh, my goodness, she's demanding. He's there going, wow, hooray, she believes. And it was that day that I got the breakthrough. You know, God waits for us sometimes to start to apply the word of God to our lives and to start to be specific. It's his kindness that that leads us and prompts us, but we've still got to take the step, amen? I was praying recently about um, a situation where I'd been sick and I was was thinking about, you've got to go for a checkup and I was thinking about it, Lord, what caused that? What, what was the cause of that? Because, you know, subconsciously I'm thinking, I don't want that to happen again. And I heard the Lord say, there is no cause. I went, oh, what do you mean? He said, a curse without a cause cannot find a rest. And he said, I want you to know that in you there is no cause. And when you know there's no cause, when anything comes illegally to rest on you, you have a right to evict it. And as I thought about that, there is no cause. I thought, that's interesting, God. You know, it's a little bit like if your neighbor came and dumped a whole lot of rubbish in your garden, or they, they you know, dumped a whole lot of stuff on your front deck. You'd have a right to tell them, nah, you have to move that. In the same way, the enemy still has a go. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the promise in the word of God is, but the Lord delivers him from them all. You've got it. It's there. It's legally written in, but the enemy will do things that are illegal and you have the authority and the responsibility 
to pick up the weapons of the warfare because there's a war going on and in the war illegal things have, are attempted by the enemy you have to use the weapons that you've been given they're not uh, carnal but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds and you've got to go after it in the name of Jesus and apply the word to the situation to see the fruit of the freedom that you've been given you know, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. There's a lot of things that the enemy would like to just dump on you. He wants to dump depression, discouragement, pain, sickness, disappointment, anything that's not pure and lovely and of a good report. Because that's who he is. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to bring life and life more abundant. Hallelujah. So if it's not life and life more abundant, it's come from the nasty one. And when he comes and he tries to do these things, we need to not be trying to figure out, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? We instead need to go, that's illegal. That's illegal because your word says that now I'm a co-heir with Christ. Your word says, pick up Psalm 91 and say, no plague will come nigh my dwelling. Your word says that by your stripes I am healed. Your word says all of my children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. If you see a circumstance that is contrary to the word of God, you need to demolish the argument of the lie that's trying to come against you and you need to pick up the sword of the spirit and evict that which is coming against you in the name of Jesus. Amen? That's what standing firm looks like. It's like dealing with the rubbish that's been dumped in your front yard and not tolerating it. I've been talking for a while now about not tolerating lies, but we've also got to not tolerate anything else that the enemy just might come and subtly try and dump on you. You know, if you're suffering with oppression or depression or whatever it might be, you've got to recognize where that's come from and you need to send it back to where it came from. You need to take the enemy to task with the word of God and say, uh, 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 that does not come from God. I belong to him now. That's illegal. This is the word of the Lord. And this is what we're going to do in the name of Jesus Christ. I command that thing to go. Go leave now in the name of Jesus. If you, if you feel, if you wake up and you feel discouraged, don't go out and out the kitchen and Talk to your family and say, I feel so discouraged. I hope someone encourages me today. Instead, you need to go, what? Where is this coming from? Don't try and figure it out why. Just realize that is a blanket that the enemies come and put on you because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's not discouragement, depression. Go and get on the floor if you need to. Lie down in green pastures. Talk to the Lord and let him restore your soul. Let him see truth. Let him show you truth. And then with the truth that you receive from his mouth, pick it up, put it in your mouth and begin to expel the squatters. Hallelujah. 
tell them to go in the name of Jesus. And you can do that when you know what the truth is. They shall know the truth. And the truth will make them free. The way it makes you free, though, is when you apply it. Hallelujah. When it's spoken out of his mouth and then spoken out of yours. I love it when God speaks a word to my heart. Now, he'll do that through the Bible. He'll, he'll remind you of scripture. The Holy Spirit is given to remind us of the words of Jesus. Have you ever felt him remind you of, of a word in the, in the book? That's a rhema word. That's a, that's a word from God to you. You can know it, but it's not just about knowing it and thinking, well, why isn't it happening? You can know it, but then you've got to take it. And then as he's spoken it out of his mouth, you've got to speak it out of yours. Hallelujah. And you need to deal with whatever is coming against you instead of waiting for somebody to do something about it. Now, I think when we begin to understand it, it'll change the way we pray. Instead of behaving like beggars and saying, God, why don't you do something about this? He'll remind us and help us to realize, hey, I want to speak words of life and encouragement to you and I'll give them to you in abundance. But I'm waiting for you to do something with what I'm giving you. I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. I've already crushed him under my feet. The victory is already being given. Now it's your turn. Hallelujah. I'll back you up. I've given you what you need, but you need to arise. Shake off the dust. Hallelujah. You need to shake it off and get up and say, thank you, Lord. This is the day that you've made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is what you've promised me. This is what you've said to me. So thank you, Lord. And go to task with the word of God. Amen. Isaiah 35 is beautiful. And I believe it's a word from God for us tonight. It says here, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Hallelujah. That's a promise that you can pick up and fight with. Hallelujah. Lord, you said you're going to come with your recompense and you're going to come and save me. So thank you, Father. I'm expecting recompense. I, I thank you for it. I claim it. I, I, I specifically think of this situation. I hold it up to you and I thank you for the double recompense that you're giving to me. That's the way you put a claim in. Hallelujah. You say, you said, thank you for it. I receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Hallelujah. He ties in so clearly here physical healing with our salvation. He wants to give us life and life more abundant. I was sharing a story on Friday about um, John G. Lake where there was a... Um, a young boy brought to him who was severely deformed from birth. His head was peaked like a roof um, 
And so his brain was squashed and he was paralyzed down one side, would dribble out of his mouth, couldn't speak, and would walk on the side of his foot because of the paralysis. And they, they went to um, their pastor, a, a local pastor. They weren't Christians. They went to a local pastor and said, can you, can you pray or something? And they said, well, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. That was done in the days of the apostles to prove the divinity of Jesus. And the father said, but I'd believe in the divinity of Jesus if he'd do something for my son. But someone then told him about John G. Lake's healing rooms. So they, they went along to these healing rooms. And for seven weeks, they prayed for this boy. And the first thing, after a little while, after praying every day for this boy, they noticed that instead of walking on the side of his foot, he started walking on the ball of his foot. And they just kept praying every day, more, more, more. After seven weeks, the bones in his head started to reshape. After 13 weeks, he had a completely normal head. His speech had fully returned. All the paralysis had gone. He was enrolled in a public school. And at the time of the interview, he was a young man about to get married who'd lived a completely normal, healthy life. That's a documented miracle. And I was so challenged when I read that. I thought, wow, God, you know, so often we give up too quick. But if you actually believe the word of God, you wouldn't give up. You see, I think sometimes we know it cognizantly. We know it theoretically. We agree with it mentally. But God wants us to take what we believe and start to apply it. Well, God, even if I haven't seen it yet, this is what you say. So this is what it is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, Abraham was rewarded because when it looked impossible, he had absolute confidence that God would perform what he had said. That same confidence is what God wants to release through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, when the, the disciples were being challenged and, you know, they were being persecuted, they gathered again. And they were in the upper room and they said, Lord, consider their threats. Fill us with boldness that we might fearlessly preach. Stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And they were all filled again. It was like an earthquake happened. And I believe in multiple fillings. That the Holy Spirit wants to fill and fill again. That he wants to baptize with fire. That he wants the Holy Spirit to come upon you with power. And he wants to continually fill you. He is waiting with, with glorious encounters for you. But he's waiting too for you to begin to posture your heart in expectation. Some of us think, well, you know, why doesn't it just come? You know, Smith Wigglesworth used to say, you shouldn't expect things just to fall on you like ripe cherries. 
And he was saying that really we need to be going after things with expectation. We need to recognize, we need to recognize that there are fillings from the Holy Ghost that are just waiting to be poured out upon your life. And if you will posture your heart and say, God, I need that. I want that. I know you want to give it to me. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You said to pray that we'd be filled to overflowing with all your fullness. So Father, here I am. Fill me up. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Sometimes in our culture of the instant, I mean, you can get information instantly. You can get McDonald's on the phone brought to your house now. What is that? We live in such an instant culture now. And if we don't get it now, then we're like, well, well, I'm not interested. I tell you what, God wants to give it to you now and he wants to give it to you then. But he, is what, he wants to give you more than a little dab. He wants to give you more than a little touch. You know, sometimes we get so excited. Oh, I sensed the Holy Ghost. I sensed the Spirit of God. And then we walk out. And we forget that actually that was just an invitation. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above. If you'll go home and then posture your heart and wait a little longer, there's always more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because they shall be filled. I believe the Lord wants to do so much more. He's so kind, our lovely God, isn't he? He is so kind. 